Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Christian Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. We feel like this has been a very long time since we've recorded, just because these last couple weeks have been kind of dragging on for us, so hopefully you guys are not as worn down by the weather as we are, but hopefully you're staying dry, especially listeners out on the East Coast. Uh, yeah. Stay, stay safe, guys. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, you are well away from the coast and, and safe and dry, so we're praying for you guys. Take care of yourselves. And with that, what have you been up to, Gordon? Besides work, this past weekend I was in Dallas because me and Lizzie were out there for a wedding and it was awesome. It was kind of like just what I needed. Mm -hmm. It was more of her friends. A lot of people I didn't know, but I got to meet like a lot of her past friends and just kind of part of her past uh, she was lived out in like ireland for like three years so i got to meet everyone she worked with and like lived with for those years and it was really great but also on sunday we just hung out just the two of us in dallas and just did the touristy silly nice. stuff and um i came back monday and just like spiritually felt like recharged that's good um it was like removed myself from everything and came back and so other than that we have you know, young adult conference approaching us this coming weekend. Encounter, woo-woo. yeah, encounter Houston, and so I've just been prepping for that as far as like youth group work they need to have ready before next week, and it's just small things yeah. as far as like resting before you know forty before hours, <laughs> forty hours of three three day work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about to get kind of crazy in the ministry schedule. Yeah, I'm right little, there with you. It's good though. I'm excited. How about you? Actually, I didn't go to Dallas, but I went up that direction to College Station hmm. this weekend for my first ever football game. Like I'd been to high oh, school football right. games, but I went to Texas A&M against Clemson. Which, first of all, Texas A&M like Aggies are are crazy intense and have like all these rituals. Half of them are super annoying. Half of them are kind of cool. <laughs> but it was really fun. Got really into it. And that game was so crazy. I, I, you don't really watch football, I don't think. but Sometimes. I, I, I like it, but yeah, no, it was, not all the time. It was wild. Basically came down to the last play of the game. So I prefer pro football over college football. Really? Yeah. Most people say the opposite. I know. but I prefer football that's not American football. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was still fun. We had a, an awesome time. And, uh, yeah, it was good. And then also the next day was confirmation for the teens that I work with. So oh, nice. We had 102 teens confirmed. That's incredible. It was so cool. The entire church was packed. Right. Like standing room. 
it looked like it was Easter. It was awesome. How long did it take? Two hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good time. Yeah. It was pretty cool. We had Cardinal Zanardo. He was there. Uh, and it was, it was cool because this is the first confirmation class that I was kind of in charge of for the whole year. So it was the, the kids that I was working with, the teens. So a lot of fun. Really cool to see them receive the sacrament. And yeah. And then celebrate with them afterwards. It's a lot of fun. But that brings us to media for the week. What have you been taking in? Nothing. Nothing. Really. I was, I've already mentioned this podcast before. I've been watching like The Office a little bit and other stuff, but because of the trip and then kind of coming back and I've been praying a lot more, which is good because I kind of had like a dry spell. So because I think I did that instead of during my free time and then working and then spending time with people. So I really have time to like watch shows. Uh, Yesterday while I was working though, Kevin was watching a show on Netflix called Meat Eater. Um, It's like a hunting show, which was really fascinating. The first episode, he was just like hunting, but then they started hunting in like other parts of the country. And so like like, a documentary type thing. Yeah, sort of. Um, It is. And it's like a documentary of a guy's hobby. That makes sense. Interesting. Um, And it, it was really, it was really good. Like by the end, me and like Lizzie, by like the sixth, seventh episode, we're like, oh, this is like turning into like a better show than I thought. So we thought it was going to be a hunting show. And then like he's in, uh, I'm making this up, but like say he's like in, in Indonesia where he's fishing for this fish that is, it's the only place you can get it. So people like travel the world that are like hunters to like just to catch and release this fish. And he was talking about how like he, he's always been, had like a love-hate relationship with catch and release because when he caught it, he finally caught it, took a picture of it. When he put it back, um, he realized he had injured the fish and it probably wasn't going to live after that. Mm-hmm. And that the people that he's, he was with were using like actual hand carved like bows to hunt with and all this stuff. And they hunt for food, not for like hunt, like sport. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about like as soon as this fish became well known for the hunters around the world for sport, then this country had to pretty much cross that fit specific fish off their like eating palate because they knew they're probably going to dwindle or people are coming just to catch and release them. And that's going to like lower the population. And so they just ignore that fish and they keep it also. So tourists come to their place Mm -hmm. and um, it was just really fascinating to like see him learn about culture and like share and stuff. And how that that one little fish changes the whole economy and and yeah. yeah interesting that's actually ties in with the topic for today but we're going to save that for yeah. a little bit later yeah yeah so you can think about it what does fishing have to do with the topic uh disciples Dis- oh oh wow yeah maybe we'll see <laughs> <laughs> what have you been uh doing this week uh so i had a couple weeks here to kind of take in a lot of stuff it's true and first off, I started watching Parks and Rec. Okay. So I, I've always seen like episodes sporadically, mm-hmm. but Cody, uh, my roommate, was watching them like through and I got hooked and went straight to like season one to season five in the span of about a week. So that was a very unhealthy binge. Um, but I've I've since 
paced myself and kind of backed down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I watched a lot of that and then I finished Dante's Inferno, which I had been reading for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. And I've been listening to a lot of music. I started playing guitar again. And so I like to listen to the stuff that I play. It just kind of helps me. And so I've been listening a lot to Jamie Lawson. I don't know if you know who he is. Don't. So he's a British dude. Uh, but he was signed, I think he was the first person signed by Ed Sheeran to Ed Sheeran's label. Okay. And he's got, I don't know, he's got kind of this cool sound and his, his songs always tell a story, which... Does he sound British? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, actually, were you here the night when I was doing the little jam sesh downstairs? I think so. After yeah. Praise and Worship? Yeah. Yeah. I played a couple of okay. songs that night, but... Yeah, so I've been listening a lot to him. So check him out, Jamie Lawson. He's got a lot of good stuff. My Sweet. favorite. My favorite is uh, Cold in Ohio. Golden? Cold. Cold and Ohio? Cold in Ohio. Cold in Ohio. Which it's true. Ohio can get very cold. And Iowa, but that's neither here nor there. I've been to Ohio when it snowed. Really? Yeah. Steubenville? No. Just Ohio? Just Ohio, like Columbus and small town um that nobody knows about i don't remember what it's called fair enough <laughs> that also sounds like something from this movie that we're about to talk about yeah which is the last thing that i took in this week so same do do we want to just go ahead and say it sure okay so the topic for this week is big fish it is a multiple sided media mm-hmm. story does that make sense? Did I word that right? That was more really than weird. one type of media. Yeah. That is Big Fish. Right. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. So it, it's a book. It was a book first, right? Right. Which I haven't read. I keep forgetting Neither it's a have book. I. And I need to read it. So it was a book first, and then I think the musical came next, I believe. Okay. I didn't, I didn't even know it was a musical until you said that the other day. Yeah. So it's a musical. It's actually my personal favorite musical, and... Then it was also a movie, and that's your it's favorite movie. My personal favorite movie. Yeah. So I don't know how we haven't done this already because it's I've, I've wanted to for a while. Yeah. No, this is really good. I almost did it when we did Shape of Water, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then I didn't. So obviously, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this is Big Fish. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. It's really, really awesome story. Um, it's one of Tim Burton's best films outside of James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of big name actors in it too. Yeah. Check it out. It's really good. Also, Sarah Madler did request sort of request or give us like a list. She was like, here's some like options for movies you guys can do and give us like four. And this was one of them too. Nice. So I just want to shout out to Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. Yeah. So we are doing it. Uh, a while back we talked about well i guess that was me and steve we talked about songs that are movies that make me cry uh this movie it doesn't make me cry but it's like one where i'm just like they're the tears are there yeah but they're not coming no okay it's just it's so good um so this being my favorite film i'm glad you brought that up because i I wanted to talk about this and i totally would have forgotten um but this being my favorite film, I've seen this movie like 20 to 25 times at least. 
and nice. it's been a while since I've seen it. And I don't know if just because I'm older or I just know what's going on or what. I'm not in like any <laughs> sad state in my life right now. But today I had like three tissues <laughs> in my hand. I was like bawling my eyes out. It's, it and I never really cried sad. that hard in this movie ever. But it's like it's a happy sad. Yeah. But it's it also kind of sad. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really like conflicting emotions at the end. Like that last latter third part of the movie is just hits you left yeah. and right. Yeah. Yeah. But before we just ruin the ending, uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it. So you want to start just by, I guess, let's start with the, the musical, actually. Okay. Because uh, I, I don't know anything about the musical. Yeah. So. And you say it's different the movie in some ways yeah i mean the the general story is the same i think but some of the details are different and obviously there's music in the musical so is it told it, in flashback yeah it's told okay. in the same way okay yeah it's really cool so there's well let's start with this we have the main character characters so we have edward bloom who's probably the main character so there's different flashbacks within so the main storyline is Edward Bloom is an old man. Yeah. His son, William, or Will Bloom, yeah. is in his 30s, I think early 30s at this point in, in the main storyline. But in the flashbacks, he is a little boy. Mm-hmm. And then the, the whole premise of the story is Edward is telling stories to Will. Right. About when Edward was younger and his life. But all these stories are just crazy, ridiculous, really hard to believe. And so as a boy, Will loved them and thought they were really, really cool. But when he grew up, he realized and believed that his dad was just lying to him all along. Yeah, they seem impossible. Yeah. And I think there's even one point at the beginning of not the musical, but the movie where Will is like trying to explain the stories and he's like it doesn't always make sense and most of it never happened oh when you tell he's talking to you as the audience and he's like i'm gonna tell you the story of my dad and i don't know how besides the way he told me right yeah and And so he just begins and, and tells the story for us so that's kind of the general premise of it but we're gonna kind of go into some details and the stories and well the other general premise too and I just wanted to lay this out because this is where I feel like this is where I have a lot of empathy with the movie and like I connect is um, because of this idea that he grew up with these stories and this is all he knows of his dad's past. There's this separation between him and his father Yeah. of like, I don't feel like I actually know my father Mm -hmm. and I just want to know who you are. Right. Um, And so like, that's the other thing is, it's not only like we're getting his flashbacks, but in the main story, which is not a big, big part of the story because we're really learning about his dad's life. Right. He's trying to learn his, learn who his dad is. And his dad's like, this is who I am. And Mm -hmm. you're like, you don't know what's true. What's not true. Yeah. And there's like this tension in the relationship. Yeah. So in the musical, it kind of starts off with this, uh, really catchy song called be the hero. And so this is Edward, when Will is little, it's probably like in the 70s or 80s, yeah. I would assume. So they're in like the 70s or 80s, and Edward, young Edward, is telling young Will 
about all these different stories. And so we're just going to do part of the song, Be the Hero. He, this is like a, a bedtime song, I guess. So as, as Will's getting ready for bed. So Edward sings, What if I told you you could change the world with just one thought? What if I told you you could be a king? Anything you desired, boy, anything on a plate, all within your power to create. I know somewhere in the darkness there's a story meant for me where I always know exactly what to say. I know somewhere some surprising ending waits for me to tell it my own way. Be the hero of your story if you can. Be the champion in the fight, not just the man. Don't depend on other people to put paper next to pen. Be the hero of your story, boy, and then you can rise to be the hero once again. So let's go ahead and pause there. Is there anything that jumps out to you? Well, it's near the end. The line that really jumps out to me is be the champion in the fight, not just the man. Mm -hmm. Because like the whole thing kind of paints this picture of you can be anything you want there's something for you out there. Mm -hmm. And I actually like the one line in the second stanza. It says, I know somewhere in the darkness, there's a story meant for me, but I don't see, like, we've talked about darkness before in the podcast, but, and I don't see that line as like a negative thing of darkness, but darkness is in like, I can't see far enough in my life right. to see what I'm made for, to see what like is made, what is out there for me. And he's saying there's just something out there that I can't see yet, but I know I'm made for something greater. Right. And and knowing Edward, that's that's definitely the what he's trying to get across. Right. And then it goes into like saying like it's not enough just to be a man and just to understand this and be positive, but you have to be ready to fight. There's going to be trials you're going to be faced, and so you need to be the champion in that fight, not just a man. Mm-hmm. Which it's funny because this week we've been going through covenants and we went with like Adam and Eve right now and the fact that Adam was made man and that wasn't enough. Like the first fight, he just failed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this beginning of this song really plays with our human desires. You know, the very first part, what if I told you you could change the world? Like we we all have this desire to like do something great. You right. Know? Like that's a really big part. If you ask anyone who's graduating high school or college, what do you want to do? Well, I, I want to go change the world. Well, someone is going on a uh, mission trip. Why do you want to do that? Cause I, I want to change the world. So it really plays with these desires that we have. And then it, it goes down and talks about creation, the power to create. And that's another thing that we have and desire as humans. So I think this really plays with, what we desire, but I love what you're saying with the, uh, I know somewhere in the darkness, there's a story meant for me. Obviously part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast is because I'm obsessed with the story. Right. Right. So this idea that our story is united with Christ's story and it, it, it's actually the same. And all of these stories that we love to watch and listen to are just reminding us of that connection. Right. And so looking at this with that context it's hopeful because you were talking about looking into the darkness but not knowing what's what's ahead it's hopeful because we know that within that darkness there's a place for us there's a place where our story fits and unites with the story of christ a story that's meant for me well we are meant for him so i think that's kind of the connection that i saw there and then i also 
I love the be the champion in the fight, not just the man. Because, like you said, it is it is a struggle. It is a battle. And it's not going to be easy to be in this story. But if we want to be in the story, we got to fight. Yeah. It was one of my favorite attributes of Edward, the father, in the film. When, where we, when we see him in flashbacks, this is in the movie. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the same in the play yeah. or the musical. Is that he keeps calling himself a fool or prideful because when he sees two paths in front of him and one is what he wants but it's harder and one is not he wants but what seems to be like easy he's like you know a smart man a wise man and like someone that would like drop his pride would take this easy path and eventually get what he wants or what he deserves i'm not that way and like Mm -hmm. he'll take this ridiculous hard path something that no one else has done yet because he knows at the end there's value in it and i just love that aspect of his character and i like for me i've never done anything as big as him but like the idea of just like i'm always the one in my my group of friends back home like where someone like we should do this i'm like okay and everyone's like who's gonna do it first and i was like i'll do it first and so like i would be the peer pressure person that people would follow to do something totally ridiculous, wholly stupid, but also something so much fun and like would bring joy to all of us. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just love that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly who Edward is. And I think that kind of describes the Christian life, right? It's the life that we want, that we desire, but we re- realize it's hard and a lot of people aren't going to take it. Yeah. Was it uh, G.K. Chesterton that said like, the Christian way of life was not tested and found wanting. It was tested and found difficult. I don't know. And left untried. You and Steve keep quoting things and asking me, like, who was that so-and-so said it? And Just like, smile and nod. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think last uh, week Steve actually made up his own quote. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so if I made that up, someone, someone fact-check me on that and let us know. If I got that right and you let us know, Maybe we'll give you a shout out or something. But uh, if I got it wrong and you also let us know, then I will publicly announce my my inaccuracy of quoting. So please let us know either way. <laughs> the one quote from the movie that kind of plays into that, though, is like he gets to a point where he does that. He veers off and one, one of his friends takes one path, the other one takes the other, and he ends up in this town. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, so he must take a shortcut. He's like, I did. And he's like, it wasn't easy. And he's like, well, yeah, you can go the path you're meant to. And there's a, it, it, it's easier, but it's longer. Or you can take a shorter path, but it's harder. Mm-hmm. And like explaining like when you want to like quicken time or if you want to do something, you're going to face like harder trials. But you'll get to this reward sooner. And I think that plays into our Christian life all the time. Right. Like God's not doesn't have one path for us we can take with uh, with free will we can take whatever choices we want and some choices are going to make things easier for us some things are going to make things harder for us and some things are going to be harder just because he's like not he's presenting but things that like because of temptation or because of like this other person in the world satan that wants to stop us is going to be like oh you're taking this path it's going to bring you closer i'm going to like really intervene and that that makes things harder but no matter which direction we take, God still has like this one big idea. And it goes back to this 
story, this first song, that we're meant for something. We have this, mm-hmm. he's made us for something. He's going to do what he can to like try to guide us there no matter what. Right. And along that, uh, this next line here, I think kind of ties in with everything. So it says, now the best part of an adventure is the people you meet. And I think, again, that's definitely a huge part of our, our Christian life. But it also kind of transitions into, I think, the rest of the story a little bit. And so the rest of the, the song is kind of preluding to characters that we encounter throughout the, the movie. Um, so we'll kind of talk about them as, as we go. But I think that line is really important because it reminds us that it's the people who are part of our story that help shape that too. And so it kind of makes you think, well, who are the people in my story who are a part of my adventure? You know, that's, that's what we say every single week on the show. Welcome to the adventure. Right. Well, what does that mean? Well, the adventure is our life. The adventure is our journey to discovering Christ and that relationship. And, and these people that he's talking about in that song, for us, that's the people who are alongside us maybe that's uh, our family maybe that's some friends maybe that's our, our christian brothers and sisters who, who are joining us on this pursuit of of heaven but maybe that's something to think about too like who, who are those people in your life who are who are on the adventure with you yeah totally so with that uh do you want to dive into a little bit about the the movie and some of the people that we meet yeah uh the movie opens up in dialogue and it's called big fish like the first big line is from the sun he's kind of telling the story and he says there are some fish that cannot be caught it's not that they are faster or stronger than other fish they're just touched by something extra Mm -hmm. and i think the fish could be a metaphor for a lot ed uses the fish to his dad to allude the fish is his wife because he uses the wedding ring to catch his the fish but then at the end of the movie, he becomes the fish. Mm-hmm. And it's what he's always meant to be. And I think we're kind of all the fish. And in this line, I, th- I, I'm, I think um, caught, the word caught comes from another line in the movie where one of the characters we meet pretty early in the film is a witch. Yeah. And it's one of the earlier stories in his dad's life. He's a kid. And there's a myth of the witch like lives in this house and so like all kids do they go to investigate and like look at the house there it's like five kids and they they run off in the woods to see the house and then one of the kids is like i dare you the myth as the myth goes she has a glass eye Mm -hmm. and if you can see into the glass eye you can see how you die and so they're like i dare you to go inside and steal the eye another attribute of ed is that he's fearless yeah he's never once do i see him fear anything in the movie and that's why he faces the harder trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, yeah, I'll go do it. And he goes up and knocks on the door. Or before he knocks on the door, the witch opens it. And she's, he's like, hey, I have some friends that just want to see your eye. Just like point blank, just lays it out there. <laughs> he's also a very honest man. He's very blunt. And she follows him back to the fence and like shows her the eye. And the two kids see how they die. But be- because of that, him and the witch become friends. And mm-hmm. she becomes kind of like a recurring character throughout the film. And so one thing the witch says to him later on in the film is the biggest fish in the sea becomes that way from never being caught. And I think we've talked about being stuck before in our own spiritual journey 
mm-hmm. um, settling down, getting being content, all these different things that I think can be metaphors for being caught. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, keep moving. Never stay in one place, but keep moving. This goes back to the adventure, the journey. Always prevail, like trailblazing, that right. type of thing. Yeah. And so some fi- there are some fish that cannot be caught, and that should be us. And they're not faster or stronger than others, but we're touched by something extra. The spirit, God, all these things. Um, and the, this also this idea of like, be with the spirit, no temptation can stop us. I don't think you intended this, but going back to that uh, Hunter TV show you're talking about in The Fish, one of the things you talked about was the catch and release. So what happens when you're caught? Well, the issue that he had with the catch and release was that it hurt the fish and there's a good chance that it would die. So if she's telling us that we're not meant to be caught, that that's telling us that when we are caught, we die a little bit, just like the catch and release, uh, which is sin. Yeah. Right? And we talked in many episodes on how sin literally is killing our soul. Yeah. And so just connecting no, back to the great. other show. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> I was like, I knew that was going to tie in somehow, but great. Um, another thing that I kind of just mentioned was like his fearlessness. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said about that too. in just Christian life, like we should be fearless. And so just on that same idea of like when we journey one way and it's harder and we should expect that we should not, fear we should be fearless because we have god on our side right and that was something that he had all the from the from the get-go be not afraid um another few lines that i love is when the witch gave him that advice was when he was leaving the town he grew up in and the reason he was leaving was because one of his silly stories he started grow too fast Mm -hmm. like way too fast and it said that it occurred to me then that perhaps the reason for my growth was i was intended for larger things after all, a giant man can't have an ordinary-sized life. And then this giant, like literal giant, comes into town and starts eating like sheep or serious type of a thing. But no one sees him, and so it's all scary. Yeah. And they want to go like pitchfork and stuff and like <laughs> get him out of town. And Ed Bloom is like, I'll go talk to him. And he goes and talks to him, and he pretends like he's a sacrifice. And the giant guy is just like sad and he's like i don't want to eat you i'm not that kind of giant i'm just hungry and i just don't fit in here mm-hmm. and he's like do you ever think that maybe you're just not like too big and you don't fit in it's just that this town is too small for you like and there was this theme of like for ed and for this giant who's literally too big they're both meant for something greater mm-hmm. they're not like physically too big it's just that where they are isn't built for them they're supposed to keep moving they've been caught Right. Um, and that's just something you hear over and over and over again. Which brings us to the kind of a cliche quote now, but the the world promises you comfort. You're not made for comfort. Right. You're made for greatness. You're made for something more than where you are. Yeah. And the comfort goes back to choosing two paths. There's supposed mm-hmm. it's when when you struggle, you're supposed to be fearless and joyful. Yeah. And fight through that. That's another thing. Ed Bloom Edward, yeah. was the most positive man. And positive... Positiveness? Positivity. Positivity triumphs. Yeah. And you see that in this film. So right after that, as, as they're leaving, is when they encounter that the division, the fork in the road. 
and he goes to that strange town of Spectre. called Spectre. Yes. So it's a really weird town that didn't exist in the musical. And so it's something that throws me every time I watch the movie version. It actually throws me too, even though it's all I've seen is the movie version. Because it's like, what is Spectre? It's so weird. And it's such a mystery. But watching it. So like the fork in the road is he tells the giant, you keep going straight and I'll go where the science says caution and all that. It's like literally the road less traveled. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to take it. And he goes and it's, he should turn around. There's like spiders and all this stuff. And he keeps going and ends up there. And they're like, you're early. They were like expecting him. So because of that, I get this feeling of like heaven. Yeah. And like it, it's, it's like all bright and sunshiny and everyone's happy. But at the same time, something I really noticed, what really stands out inspector is the grass. The grass and even the poet that's there. So there's a poet that like left town and everybody heard about. It's a famous poet, and then never came back. And they, he, we find out he was inspector all the time, mm-hmm. and he keeps saying the grass is greener, inspector. The grass is so green, inspector. And like you know, the, there's a saying that the grass is greener on the other side, and like everyone that goes there, it stays. And there's this idea of being stuck, and so it's not heaven, but like this false sense of like this is where we're meant to be yeah and ed quickly picks it up because they're like celebrating him being there and everyone's like oh you're such a catch you're so good like you were such a catch and he was like i gotta go like this has been i'm not saying you guys are bad i'm not saying this is but this is not for me and if i'm meant to be here it's not yet right and then he leaves and so like that's the only theme i can pull from that but it's this idea that like some things seem perfect but is it slowing us down? Is it stalling our movement, our this adventure, this move momentum that we have? Yeah, I never caught the detail on the the green grass. It's so green, and it's the biggest thing, Inspector. And that's why they take their shoes off. Yeah, because the grass is so soft, and they say that over and over again. They comment on the grass, all the time. Oh, yeah, I never caught that. Okay, yeah, you got me there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and one thing I I noticed, and this is what threw me in made me doubt if heaven is what it was supposed to be everyone there gets like kind of progressively numb and kind of like in a way kind of stupid they just nothing matters they just get really because for example the poet right he's supposed to be this great poet and then he one of the times he's talking with with edward he's like would you like to read one of my poems and he shows it to edward and it was like 10 words of just this awful poem that like a middle school kid could write, you know? And so it just seemed like everyone there was stupidifying themselves. If that's a word, I don't think it is, but they're just progressively getting dumber. There was just no growth. Yeah. And like they're stagnant. Right. It's just this contentment because they found what they thought was the end. And so they stopped moving. Right. And that's not, and I don't know what that could be for us, but that could be a number of things. Yeah. And I, I, lo- I love it as he's trying to leave. This little girl, Jenny, comes up to him and says, how are you going to make it without your shoes? Actually, they, they take your shoes and like throw it onto yeah. like a clothesline in the, in the air. Right. And he responds by saying, well, I suppose it will really hurt. And this line is so simple, but it stood out to me. And now that we're talking about this, I think it's because he realized that this isn't the end. And 
it's painful to move forward from that from, from that something comfort. so perfect yeah. yeah but he recognized that he needed to and even though it would hurt because he's this fearless joyful man he made that step and he continued forward and then eventually he came back to his friend the giant whose name is carl which yeah. is just he's so sweet he's a, he's a nice guy nice giant um and from there we actually move into the circus yes so he he tries to find a place for carl where he can, he can fit in so he goes to a circus to kind of in the musical it's an audition okay but in the movie he just shows up in the middle of the show and is like, you think your guy's big? Check out mine. And then shows him this right. real giant. But anyway, so he takes him to the circus. And while he's there, he sees this girl. So in the musical, the girl is auditioning okay. to like be a performer. In the movie, she's just, she's just someone a- watching. Attending the circus, yeah. Right. And this girl catches his eye. And then time freezes. And yep. in the musical, there's a song called Time Stops. It's pretty cool. And they just kind of see each other. And after he's about there to, like, be close to her, time starts back up again, and, and it fasts forward. And she kind of she escapes. She yeah, runs off. Right. So he goes up to the ringleader and is like, I will work for you, and in payment, I don't want money. I want to learn who she is. Well, he's trying to figure out who she is from him because he finds out the ringleader knows who she is right and he says no because like she's out of your league mm-hmm. you're just a nobody and she's like hi and so he he knows the guy wants free labor and like doesn't want to pay and she's like i'll work for you for free and that catches his eye mm-hmm. and he's like all right every month you work for me i'll tell you one new thing about her and he does that and like learns literally nothing about her probably for like three months because he's like for three months he knows she goes she's going to college favorite flowers like daffodils and she likes music yeah that which in the musical he already knows because she auditioned by singing right yeah but it's just ridiculous but it's yeah and while he's trying to figure out all these things he eventually like he's doing all these odd jobs and stuff and eventually he learns that the ringleader is a werewolf Yes, and this is the one thing I love from this entire scene with the, at the circus is that he's a werewolf and he, everyone, like the clown that's like his right-hand man is about to shoot him as a werewolf and he picks up a stick and throws it and the werewolf starts playing fetch with him. Mm-hmm. And he says, it was that night I discovered that, the most, that most things you consider evil or wicked are simply lonely and lacking in the social necessities. And... I just think that painted like a beautiful picture for like separation, segregation, like this divide in like groupings of like right. religion of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this idea that like we think people that worship evil things are evil people and maybe what they're doing is evil, but the people are still just lonely or lacking social necessities of like, who God really is and like love and like all these things I could go, I don't know, in a lot of directions, but I love that line. Yeah. I, I actually had that written down too, because for me, it, it actually made me think of uh, teens because like working in ministry, mm. a lot of the times the teens that cause most trouble are 
the ones who are really just hurting the most. Right. Maybe they're lonely because they have a really bad relationship at home or something like that. And so it made me think these people who we have differences with and don't get along with most of the time, the the enmity between us is just this misunderstanding or this loneliness where we're all desiring a relationship. And that's ultimately what it's talking about here. And, and after this, he kind of became friends with the ringleader. Uh, And actually we see him recurring later on in, in the movie and musical too. Yeah. And then from here he goes to the college where he finds out she lives. Auburn University. Auburn University. And And he finds out her name. It's Sandra Templeton. Sandra Templeton. Pretty much she's engaged and he still wins her over. So even more, I, I just realized this last night as I was watching this. So she's engaged to someone from his hometown. Yeah. Who was kind of a friend of his growing up, but also kind of like the town bully at the same time. And I just realized last night that the actor who plays that character in the office in the movie is the one in the office who was engaged to Pam and then lost Pam to Jim. And in this story, he's engaged to Sandra Templeton and then loses Sandra to Edward. Poor guy. It's just his role. He just keeps getting, uh, yeah. But anyway, so he wins her over. And has this whole field full of daffodils for her. Yeah. There's really nothing like to that except like it's just from there the movie shifts from a journey of mint for more to now at this point since seeing her at the circus to the end of the movie everything he's doing journey wise is out of love and for her. Sandra. And then later Will. Will. Right. Sandra and Will are his life source. After that, he gets drafted into the military, like, right away. Oh, yeah. Crazy story. And he ends up fighting in, like, China. And at one point, it mentions that Will asked him what war it was in. And he never answered because he, like, wasn't in a war, apparently. But then later on, they're going through, like, old documents of Edwards. And they actually find this note where the military thought he was dead and, like, sent the note to to Sandra, but he was actually alive the whole time. So I don't know if there's anything in that that you want to point out. I know in the musical, he actually fights an assassin, like, and it's like... That's cool. Yeah, and he's the only person in the world that's immune to the poison on on the dart the assassin shoots. Yeah. It's kind of a weird story, but it's it's really not a whole lot to that other than, like, he, he does it, and this adds to what you're saying, out of love... He takes on the most dangerous missions so that he can get back home to be with his family. Yeah, as I said, it's really for the next few scenes we don't have to like really talk too much on them. You should see the movie just because there's not a lot in them except for like this. He's in the war mm-hmm. and he risks his life to get back home. He helps in a bank robbery um, as far on as accident. like discipleship on accident <laughs> and also just to like get out of there and like all these crazy things. But there's really nothing to it besides like. He cares for his friends, and he really needs like to s- support his family. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the I don't know if you have anything before this. Stop me if you do. But the last bit that I have is near like the really tail end of the movie, and that's like the thick of it. One of the things is the witch in mm-hmm. real life. Yep. 
she is the girl Jenny Jenny from Spectre who told him to come back and so he the witch was when he was a kid the girl was when he was like in his 20s and then she's she becomes the witch when he's in her 30s don't try to understand the time frame because it doesn't make sense doesn't make sense and they actually pointed out in the movie it doesn't make sense Um, but what I'd love is that Will always thought that his dad was doing something outside of the home because she was always away when they grew up. And so he just assumed he had to have like another family or just didn't love them or was having an affair. And so when Mm -hmm. he finally figured this out, he's like, he confronts her and like realizes who she is and is like, Oh, were you guys having an affair? And she starts to explain things. And it goes to this story with Ed trying to save the town of Spectre because it's during the time of like, the bank bankruptcy and the banks and all that. And so they lose it and he like buys the whole town and needs her house and she won't buy it from him because he comes back. But like 20 years later and she was expecting him to come back sooner because she like loves him mm-hmm. and he has a wife with Sandra right. and they can't be together. And, it's, and he ends up breaking her door. Her house is like falling apart and he should have just left. But Edward is the perfect definition of what discipleship looks like authenticity and wholeness because he decided to fix her house mm-hmm. he decided to put it straight paint it and probably he probably spent like six months there yeah. doing this yeah they said he spent several months yeah probably spent like six months there doing this and to the point where she thought they were going to be something and he was never intending that he was just being wholly himself and wholly cared for her and wholly cared for this town and never even did it to try to get the rights to her house and so he's about to leave and she ends up signing it anyways and like it's this idea like through like I said positivity triumphs honesty triumphs just being yourself triumphs and like you just see that in this story mm-hmm. and then did you have anything else with her there's a lot of good stuff in there. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think we have the time to dive into all of it, but I, I do recommend like just check out that scene. That's the scene where we start to see Will's opinion of his father change. Right, because he's starting to realize what he thought was completely lies actually has a lot of truth in yeah. it. Yeah, and one thing I do want to say with that is as he's realizing that, it it makes me think, I mean, this isn't a perfect example, but it makes me think a little bit of how people view like the old testament like a lot of the old testament passages are written as stories like that we're not meant to take them all literally the new testament is a lot more literal because it's the story of jesus life but these other ones they were originally told orally uh from person to person and so they became kind of these legends where what was important was the message and not necessarily the, the exact details. And it's the same thing in this story. This is the point where Will is realizing all of his dad's st- stories were true, but he changed them to make them more entertaining. So he really did go to all these places and meet all these people, but the details of what he's saying changed and kind of exaggerated. It's funny that's where your head went, because when I was watching the movie, my thought with the stories were like Jesus telling parables. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so this is what, like, it felt like to listen to parables sure. in the actual time. Like, for us, we understand that they're parables and what the point is. But for people then hearing it, they're like, what are you talking about? Right, yeah. And yeah. it was nothing, like, those weren't true stories, or maybe they were, but they weren't. It was just 
a fabricated story that the point and the message, which Ed always said that he's like, and the moral of this story is, and what I got out of this story was yeah. this. Yeah. He always had like a point, but he had this elaborate, fun way of telling it. So you were listening. And I love that because in scripture, Jesus has to explain to even the disciples what the parables mean. Right. Until later on, they finally get it. Like after they receive the Holy Spirit and they're like, oh, now I understand the parables. And so I think this is the moment where Will, quote unquote, receives the Holy Spirit and he starts to understand what his dad's been trying to tell him the whole time. So I think that's a, yeah. a discipleship moment there. In the end, his the whole one thing I don't think we ever mentioned was like his dad's dying mm-hmm. and he's sick. And so his dad's rushed to the hospital because of a stroke. And so they're just sitting there. Will's the one watching him. And... Ed saw the way he was going to die in the witch's eye. And so every time everyone's like freaking out about like him dying, he's like, this is how I go. This is how I go. And finally he's spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say this <laughs> movie has been out forever guys. Yeah. But yes. And so he wakes up in the middle of the night with his dad and his dad's like clearly in his last like few breaths. And mm-hmm. he's like, tell me how I go. And he's like, you never told me how you went. You like left that story secret. And he's like, tell me how I go. And so he's like, I just need help. How do, how do you start? He's like, start here. And so he starts telling a story. Like Will is starting to tell like a fake story mm-hmm. about how his dad goes and about how like he's better. And they, they like have this great escape from the hospital and he takes them to the lake. And one line that I love, and this is like a perfect way to view death is when he gets to the lake and he's carrying his dad into the woods and he says, everybody's there. And he's like, and I mean everybody. And you see it. You see everyone you met in this movie so far mm-hmm. and the stories, the fake people, the real people. And he's like, and the strange thing is there's not a sad face to be found. Everybody's just so happy to see you, to send you off right. Yeah. And like, I it's this part. joyous occasion. It's one of the parts I was, this whole that's, time I was yeah, crying. When he started the, the story, <laughs> I was just like, ah. and um, he puts him in the lake and he turns into a big fish. Right, and then he ends th- that part of the story. Will says, it's un- unbelievable. Yeah. And, and we go back to like seeing Edward in his bed dying. And as he closes his eyes, he says, the story of my life. It's unbelievable. And, and I think that's the, what we want to get across to you guys. This adventure that we're called to, this adventure of discipleship that, that Edward is such a good example of, it's unbelievable. It's really something that we, we can't fathom what Christ has in store for us when we are willing to take that difficult road, when we're willing to meet the people along our path that, that cross us and, and be Christ to them, be that disciple. I think that's the gist of the story. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to t- tag in. Not but really. My challenge for you is to to know your story. I think that's what my challenge would be. I know when I first started getting into ministry, someone said the most powerful tool that we have is our story. And it took me a really long time to actually believe that because I was just like, well, who am I? I'm just a teenager from Iowa, you know? But our story is powerful. It's the most powerful thing we have. And when we know that and we know how Christ is working in that and how he's using us as his disciples, and we know the people that are part of that adventure, we can change lives. 
So my challenge for you this week is to think about that. Who are the people that are on the adventure with you? What has your adventure brought you to so far in your life? And, and where is Christ working in that? Because if you can tell that story to someone else, they become part of that adventure too. I think it also helps us understand where Christ is working. Yeah. Like I get this image of what's it called when a farmer is like digging up dirt. Tilling. tilling okay. The soil. I feel a picture of tilling. Yeah. Back in times, a farmer is tilling. No, they still and do it. They, I know, but <laughs> with, with mules. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rather than machines. And you have mule lines. So like four, three, two, one, pulling the, helping you pull the till. Mm-hmm. And think of that as people in your life, people in your past. Who's at the front? That's your lead mule. And these might be people you're not even, don't even talk to anymore. But like, who's, who got you here? Because our sight when you're tilling is not on the mules, but your sight's at like the point you're trying to get to, the end of the fence. So you're, our sight's on the cross. Mm-hmm. And there's people pulling us. And at the same time, eventually as we grow, we become one of those mules and we're helping other people. We're pulling. And when you see that, when you kind of picture like, oh, wow, like this one friend in third grade, they said this one thing. And I, I remember it affected me later. We don't talk about it. But without that, without God ha- having that one moment, I wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened. And then other people can do that with you. And just seeing like there's this networking of goes back to the first song. The story is the people you meet. Right. And so who is part of your venture and how does that change your story? And what is what does that make of your story what is your story so i think it's a great challenge yeah i i think that'll be fun too and like i said that's something that always captivates my attention i i love the story of things so uh just think on that guys and let us know what you think we would love to hear what your story is hopefully at this point you know how to reach out to us i mean you can reach out to us on our email the christ in culture at gmail.com or on social media we're on facebook we're on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. Just let us know. We love hearing from you guys. And if you're willing, maybe we'll even uh, share that with some other people too. Yeah. Um, with could, your permission. We're not just going to send it out. I'm even thinking maybe like we could take on this challenge and make a video about what our story is. Yeah. Dude, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll send it out. Please, please, please send us stuff with you too. Yeah, if you guys send stuff before we send out the video, maybe we can just tie in like people's stories in one kind of big video. Because you're all joining on the adventure with us. Right. So thank you guys for that because you're officially part of our story. Yeah. And we want to include you in the story as, as we share what we have. So with that, uh, we are running really long here. So do you have any shout outs real quick? I do not that I can think of. Okay. I really just want to give some shout outs, first of all, to all of my teens who were just confirmed this week because they're stinking awesome and I'm really excited for them and to see how the Holy Spirit uh, influences their adventure. And then I also want to give a shout out to, we have a new listener, Sophia Finelli. That's what I was going to say. I know who that is. Oh, She's you do? from my home parish oh, in really? Georgia. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, thanks for checking it out. I saw, saw you like, liked Victor Page. I don't even know if you remember me. You probably do because I know you know my mom. But <laughs> shout out to you. You're awesome. And I hope you're really enjoying the content. Yeah. So I, I always love seeing new people on our list that uh, that we recognize. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for joining us on this adventure. You really are a blessing to us. 
I know a lot of the times we talk about like the numbers of listeners and stuff, but you're you're more than just listeners to us. You're more than just a number. So we appreciate you guys. We really do care about you and we are praying for you and I hope you're praying for us too. Yeah. With that, thanks for joining us on the adventure. We'll see you guys soon. See you next time. said like this past two weeks have been like really long lately yeah definitely well time also in retrospect is like really flying by because it's not like our 50th episode in like two weeks from now oh my gosh yeah i think we should have meant we shouldn't mention are we, we're trying to do like a live a live showing like a facebook live yeah facebook live with the live audience and everything and we forgot to even mention it what's the what's the date on that the 24th is when we're going to be recording that Okay. And what time do you think we might record that? Uh-huh. Somewhere probably. between like six. Well, it's probably going to be closer to eight, eight, eight or nine. Central time? I don't know what time Central it's time, yeah. All right, we'll have to announce that next week. Yeah. I'll have to make a note and actually not forget it this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy.